0: welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Jared. Uh, I'm the lead pastor, and it's so good to to see you and to worship with you this morning. Thank you so much for taking time uh, in the middle of the summer. I know that there are places that people could be, uh, places that some people are, and it's just good to see you here this morning. I believe that uh, today's message is going to be encouraging for us. We are in uh, the middle of a series that we have been going on throughout the summer called Created. It is a summer series where uh, we're actually studying through the entire book of Genesis and kind of taking a high level look at it and Pausing at certain spots, really um, important, impactful moments throughout the the uh, the chapters of the story, and we're asking the question like, what is it that that God would say to us? But what were we created for? Who is God, and and what is He like, and and how does these stories relate to us? And so we've been going through this throughout the throughout the month. and I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to or if you haven't had a chance to be here for all the services on our website, or we have uh, our media section where you can listen to not only just the messages that have been happening over the last few weeks, but probably I think it goes all the way back to the beginning of time. Um, it goes back, to, or at least to the beginning of Encounter Church's existence, which is about four and a half years. So uh, almost all of our messages are on there, so you can always check out and follow up and listen, even if you miss a Sunday, and always be able to stay up to date with what our church is learning about. Also, you can do that and subscribe on podcast uh, to from iTunes or on like Google, so you can always stay connected with our church and our message. Message uh, series that are happening, so couple goals, few goals that we want to be hitting while we're in the series. Just want to recap those. We haven't talked about these in a little bit. The first thing is is what we're trying to do is we want to get a stronger understanding of the origins of biblical concepts. So a lot of the things that we talk about, most of the time we spend our time in the New Testament, reading the words of Jesus and the writings of the epistles, and this are the foundations of our faith, but all of it comes from the early parts of Scripture in the Old Testament, particularly in Genesis. So a lot of the things that we're doing in the book of Genesis with these stories is we're really pulling out the the origins of why we believe what we believe in the first place. And today is an example of that. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Number two, we wanna get a clearer picture of who God is. People all over the world are asking, what is God like? Well, the beauty of the Bible is that it teaches us, it shows us God's character and what he is like. And so we can see that and we wanna get a clearer picture of his personality, His attributes, and who he is. And then number three, we understand how we relate To it, that's the beauty of Scripture. I love reading the Bible because I can see my life in it. You know, I can see how I'm connected to the greater picture of it, and we see that throughout Genesis. So, so far, Genesis one through eleven. Here's a quick recap: we've hit creation, we've hit the fall of man, and learning about the, the how things have gone wrong. We've seen the story of the flood, and then also the Tower of Babel. Those are the four weeks that we've hit so far, and all of it has been leading. Uh, and to painting a picture of a world that has gone wrong because of sin and the effects of the curse. And each time we have seen these things happen, we have also seen God intervene in a way that shows his character and that prevents us as humanity from going past the point of no return. Every time we've gone to this like precipice of, of annihilation uh, uh, in the actions and the way that we have lived our lives as human beings, and every time God has intervened. Every time he's intervened and he's, he's done something to course correct and to set the stage for restoration. And all of this really ultimately is setting the stage for God's ultimate intervention and plan to bring humanity back to the way things were supposed to be, which will ultimately lead to Jesus. And that is really the story of Genesis. The story of Genesis is not just a history lesson. It is really setting the stage to show you how it all leads to Jesus and the reason that we're here today. And I love that. And so today we're going to continue the story in Genesis chapter 12 through 15. Don't worry, we're not going to read all of it, but we are going to hit a couple chunks of Scripture. In the beginning of that intervention that we are talking about, the ultimate intervention of sending Jesus Christ begins today today in the story of a man named Abraham. How many of you ever heard of Abraham? Okay, well today we're going to talk about Abram, which is actually the same guy, but his name gets changed later, and we'll talk about that probably next week. But his name is Abraham, and he has what's called a covenant. And this space right now is the beginning of, of where the entire story of the gospel that we know begins in this story. So we're going to go ahead and read it. Now, up to this point, we should see a pattern emerging. So we've been reading through the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and up to this point, we should see a pattern. And that pattern is is that every one of the stories starts just like every other story about gods. Greek mythology, Norse mythology, Egyptian gods, all sorts of stories that people from centuries have been telling stories about their gods. All of our stories look the same in the beginning. It seems like there's a God who's angry, a God who's frustrated, a God who's malevolent, maybe volatile, or maybe insecure, and acts in a way that appears to be that he's an adversary to us. We see that all the time. Most of the time in other writings of Scripture or other pictures of gods in other stories, they're usually like that they're just almost human being like gods with superpowers. That's kind of what we see from, from gods in other religions, right? And in the stories that we see in Genesis start in a similar way where it appears as though this god is just has a problem or an issue but then something changed. Every one of these stories, God flips the script and shows his character as a different person. And that's done intentionally. It's done intentionally to show that God is unlike every other God that has ever existed. And so each of the stories that we have been reading up to this point shows God to be different. He focuses on things like this, redemption. Things like preservation, Things like restoration, blessing, and relationship. These are the beginnings of what we see all throughout Scripture. And that's who God is compared to the stories that we have seen from other gods. What God is doing through these stories in Scripture is painting a picture that he wants to do something new. He wants to do something different. And people like us, even in our own lives, but even throughout the history, keep falling into the same destructive patterns over and over and over again. So what God is doing is going, in this we see in Genesis, is in the story today, is he's going to create a new kind of people, a different kind of people who he's going to partner with to reveal himself to the world and to show that he's going to bring healing to humanity. And it all starts with a man named Abraham, who nine generations after Noah and his family step out of the ark, hears from God. And we're going to read today in Genesis chapter 12. So let's pick up the journey by reading together the beginning of Genesis chapter 12. If you have a Bible, pull it out to Genesis 12. It will also be on the screen here for you. And then we also have free Bibles for you. So if you don't have a Bible, make sure that you pick one up as you exit. Right in front of you, there is a shelf that has free Bibles. Please make sure you take one today. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says this, The Lord said to Abram, remember his name is not yet Abraham, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Could you imagine what that would be like? We don't know if, if Abraham had actually heard from God ever up to this point. It's possible that maybe this is the very first time and I, I actually really love the way that the Bible series, the the um, they, they several years ago, the History Channel produced a film version of Scripture, and it really highlights this particular scene. Abram is sort of sitting on the top of like a rock formation, like a mountain or a ridge, and all of a sudden he sort of hears like this whisper, and it kind of like encircles him. It's not really visual, except it's more of just a pan of the camera. And it's this really cool moment of, I've always wondered, what is it like when God God speaks and in this case uh, it, it really illustrates that Abraham is just sitting there and God just begins to impress something deeply upon him or in potential that maybe he actually heard audible words or perhaps it was deep in his heart we don't know but I love that 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 image or that illustration of what it was like for him could you imagine hearing something that you know is beyond you that it was not another person and that's what happened in this moment is that Abraham hears from God. It says, go out from the land that your relatives and your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. He says, I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I want to pause real quick. Do you remember in our first week we talked about one of the main concepts of of Genesis is this idea that pops up over and over again as being blessed and then being a blessing, right? Look at this, what it says right here. God immediately says to Abraham, he says, I will bless you, you will be a blessing, and through you all people will be blessed. Do you see that? This is the heart of God. The heart of God is not just to be good, it's not just to be good to one person. That God is a God who is generous. Who loves people, and he wants not just one person to be blessed and to receive the glory and the goodness of God, but he wants all people to receive it. God is good, he is generous. And so right here in the beginning of the story of Genesis, of, of Abraham's story, we see God's heart for people is that He wants all people to be blessed. He wants all people to receive the goodness of God, which ultimately comes from Jesus, right? So right here we see the beginnings of our faith. Verse four, so Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, whose name is going to change in the next story as well, his nephew Lot and all the possessions that they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan. You remember that map that we showed a few weeks ago? So right now, the land of Canaan is what we now know as Israel, okay? But where they started was more like Iraq, So they had to go three thousand miles east. So imagine what that would be like for you. (coughs) Excuse me. If God spoke to you and said, "I want you to get up and go to a place that I'm going to show you," we'll talk more about that in a second. But this is what's happening: is that Abram has said that God has said to Abram, "I want something different for you and for the earth." But it takes. I need you to go to this place. And Abram apparently just went. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the Oak of Moreh. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, "'To your offspring, I will give this land.'" Now that is where chapter 12 ends. And then chapter 13 and 14 is basically like a montage clip. You ever seen in a movie where, you know, they want to show you something that happens over the course of months or maybe even years, but they do it in like a song and then it happens like a couple clips all mashed together in like 30 seconds and then you know what happened? This is what happens in chapters 13 and 14 in Genesis. Essentially you get a few snippets of what happened to Abram, right? Um, And it's like mashed together. It's an origin story. Of, of Abram, a kind of a behind the scenes of who he is and what's going on in his life. So what we see is that Abraham and Lot, which is Abraham's nephew, they're prospering. They're growing. They're they're becoming bigger and bigger every place they go. That they their their family is growing and they're acquiring more animals and more sheep, which was like money to them. Okay, they didn't have currency. What they had was animals, and the more animals you had, the more rich you were, the more bartering power you had, and then you could acquire more things. Okay, so they were prospering because of their. Obe- obedience this is important to understand because of their obedience to hear what god said and to operate in it god's blessing comes with you you'll see that over and over and over again in scripture when you do what god says his favor comes with you okay so this is what's happening they're growing they're getting bigger and bigger but then there's too many of them so abraham and lot decide to split they decide to go to different places. And so then, somewhere between chapters 13 and 14, Lot gets himself into trouble. He wants to go to a certain city, but then they get attacked, and these group of people, kind of bandits, come in and, and attack them. And so Abraham and his family go in with like this big like raid scene, and they run in and they you know fight. There's this big battle, and they rescue Lot. And at the end of it, Lot goes, Hey, thanks. I'm still out. And then he leaves. And so Abraham is really sad and he's like, God, what's going on? I don't I don't really know what you've called me to. You told me to, to leave my family, everything that I ever knew. Leave where our family was and travel to this place. And you told me to go there and we're here. And you said that things are going to be good and you're going to bless me. And, 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 and you're going to like make me a father of many nations. And then we get to chapter 15. And check this out. Chapter 15, verse 1 through 21 it says this. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. And I'm thinking, if I'm Abram, I'm like, I've traveled 3,000 miles, I've fought in some battles. I don't know what the heck is going on, God. Here's the question. But Abram said, Lord, what can you give me? Since I'm childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, I don't have a kid. I don't have anybody. How could I have offspring to inherit this land? How could I have anything? All I have is this guy over here who kind of joined in my family. This this person that I acquired, this slave who was born into my house, is that going to be my heir? Are you literally going to set up my entire like like family line from 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 that person? He's not even my blood. Abram continued, "Look, you have given me no offspring. So a slave born in my house will be my heir." Well, now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. In other words, I'm going to give you a kid. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars, if you're able to count them. It's kind of like, don't even try, really. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And this is interesting. Verse 6 says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Righteousness. So interesting. Like twice now. The first time, right? What did we see? It said that God said, Get up and go. And he went. It just says, And Abram went. And now we see that Abram has a question for God God, I don't understand. I don't see it. And then God says something and reinforces his promise, kind of gives him a little more. And then it says, Abraham believed. This is important. We're going to come back to this later. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But then Abram's like, but he said, but Lord, how can I know that I will possess it? He said to him, this is God saying to him, bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. It's about to get a little bloody, okay? Okay. So if, and I'm going to kind of try to describe to you the best that I can. Listen, what's about to happen is something called a covenant, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, all right? But just try not to get hung up on the gory details, and I'll explain in a minute, but this is very much a part of the society of the time, okay? The culture of them at the time, and God is showing himself just enough to do something that is a touch point so that it's not crazy outlandish, but at the same time, like, show that he is a different God, okay? So God says, bring these animals. How can I know, God, that this is going to happen? Help me. I'm just a man. That's, that's essentially what he's saying. I, don't, I believe you, but I can't see it. I can't understand it. And God says, all right, here's what I'm going to give you. Bring me these animals. So he brought all of these to him, cut them in half, that's gross, and laid the pieces opposite of each other. So think of it this way. So we take a cow, split it down the middle, one half here, the other half here. He does the same thing with the other animals, okay? Birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram, and suddenly great terror and darkness descended on him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know this for certain. And this is interesting. It's almost like a prophetic moment. It's like this this moment of like, I'm going to download some stuff into you that's going to be really important for you to understand later, because when things get hairy, when things get crazy, when they get nuts, I told you. Okay? Here's what he says. Know this for certain. Your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. Anybody ever seen the Prince of Egypt? Three of you. Okay. Okay. Prince of Egypt, or just the story of Moses, right? The children of Israel, or anyone ever listened to uh, Creeping Death by Metallica, okay? It's all about this idea of the Egyptian people, or the Jewish people being enslaved in Egypt. This moment, God is predicting that. He's telling them, your people eventually are going to be enslaved, okay? I'm like, why are you telling me this, God, right? He says, however, I will judge the nation they serve. And afterward, they will go out with many possessions. And fast forward into the book of Exodus, you'll see this exact thing happens, that they leave with a ton of riches. On the way out of Egypt, God says sends sends his Jewish people with basically he loots everything, steals, takes everything from the Egyptian people, all the gold, all the silver, all their beautiful things, and gives it to them so that when they leave, they're fully, like, fully funded as a, as, a, as a nation. It's pretty awesome. So God's telling this, but you will go to your father's in peace, and you will be buried at a good old age. And in the, ne- in the fourth generation, they will return here. Okay? So God's laying it all out for the iniquity of the Amorites who live there has not yet reached its full measure. Now, when the sun had set and it was dark, this kind of like crazy mystical thing happens. A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared, and passed between the divided animals. So what's happening now is that a covenant, if you wanted to make a covenant with someone, like a lifelong promise, and this is the difference between a covenant and a contract, okay is that if you're going to make a promise with somebody, a covenant means it cannot be broken. It means your life is now on the line. That everything that you are, you're pouring yourself into this thing. And the way that they would do it is they would cut an animal in half, and the people who were making a covenant would walk in between those the two items of the of the covenant, I know it sounds gross. There's probably like blood everywhere. It's really nasty, but that's what they would do. So this is what happened: the animal carcasses were cut in half and split in the middle, and God Himself, in the in the image of the fire pot and the uh, the, the torches, goes through. God is making a promise to Abraham. You asked me, Abraham, how will I know that this is going to happen? How will I know that I'm going to be a father of many nations? How will I know that this stuff is happening? Because I myself will do the thing that you need to see. I will prove to you, I promise to you, not just I'm going to write it down and say it, not just like an oath, but a covenant that cannot be broken. And God is true to his word. And so we're seeing right here, guys, the very beginnings, the very beginnings of Jesus Christ, the one who is above all things, who has brought life to every single one of us and is wanting life for every other person on this planet because of this moment right here where God spoke to one person and said, I'm doing something different. I'm not like the other gods. I will save people. I will not eradicate them. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And he says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, I will give this land to your offspring from the, book, from the brook of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates to the land of all these people, the Kenites, Kenanites, all these different people that are just different people groups, clans, groups of races of individuals who are currently occupying that space. All right. A lot of scripture. What essentially we just saw happen here was that God spoke to a man. And I want you to know that this is not any different than any of us. God can speak to you today. I love when Mary was up here in announcements, that section, our welcome moment, and she said, God can speak to you today, and he wants to speak to you today. I believe that. And that's the thing that I see throughout Scripture, is that God does extraordinary things with ordinary people. And you and I are ordinary people, right? Some of us do some awesome things. Some of us have some really cool jobs. But the the thing that we see over and over and over again is that God chooses people who are just, just people. Regular, everyday people. And he just intervenes. He intersects in their life. And he says, I want to encounter you. I'm going to do something different. And this is what we see right here. God speaks to him. But the key to all of this is faith. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this note down. We have notebooks for you as well. If you want to take notes, please go grab a notebook at our Connection Center and write notes every Sunday, and you'll be able to look back, and you'll be able to see that like God has spoken to you week in, week out, and be encouraged over the years. I encourage you to go grab one of our encounter notebooks. But if you have one or you want to take notes, write this down. The story of Abraham is one of faith in God's promises, one of faith in In God's promises. The entirety of Abraham is all about God said something, God was going to do something, and then Abraham said, I believe you. And I began to walk in it. And I want to make three quick observations from Abraham's story that I think are going to apply to us today. Number one is this: Abraham had faith beyond his understanding. What do we see? We said, God said, I'm going to make your name. I'm going to make something for you. I'm going to make you great. You will be a great nation. He says, I'm going to bless you. He says, you're going to be a blessing. He says, all people are going to be blessed for you. But it all starts with what? Go. God says first, he doesn't say any of that. He says, get up and go. Well, where am I going, God? I'll show you. That's it. That's all Abraham had. That's all he had. And so he had faith just beyond his understanding, beyond that. And this is important for us today. Because sometimes, oftentimes, God doesn't give us the full picture. Because I think a lot of times if he gave us the full picture, we'd be like, no thanks. Or we'd be like, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Or I don't know that I want to do that. I'm kind of happy where I am right now. Or sometimes, for whatever reason, it doesn't, I'm not really, there's all sorts of reasons why we don't do what it is that that, that God is, is asking us to do. And sometimes God wants to speak to us and we don't listen. In this case, and sometimes we just sit there and we say, I don't understand what God is saying, so I'm just going to wait and do nothing. And that's not the case of what we see in Abraham's life. Abraham had faith beyond his understanding. Go to the land that I will show you. Go to the land that I will show. I will show you what's next when we get there, but right now, just be obedient to me. And I want to encourage you in that today. Abraham, all throughout scripture, even in the book of Hebrews, later on in the New Testament, it says again that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Like his faith is what Abraham is known for. Abraham made a lot of failings. He did a lot of mistakes. If you read through Genesis, you'll see a lot of it. But in the end, what is Abraham known for? His faith that when God spoke, he acted. Let that be an encouragement for us. The second observation is that Abraham not only had faith beyond his understanding, but he had faith in God despite his circumstances. And I think this is a big one for all of us here today. Many of us have bills to pay so we don't want to tithe. Many of us, you know, God says, I want you to do this thing, but we're like, I, I can't because I'm in school, or I don't know how to, I don't have time to do this or to do that. Whatever it might be, I believe that God wants to use us. He wants us to have faith, to trust that he will work out the details. And we see that right here in Abraham's story. Abraham says, but God, I don't have an heir. How the heck am I supposed to be the father of many nations? How am I going to be a blessing to anybody because I don't even have any kids, right? Right. And what happens is is that God says, no, listen to me. You will be the father of many nations. Look up to the sky, and if you can count the stars, that's how many kids you're going to have. I will give you this land. God reinforces what he said to him. And it doesn't say how Yet, right? Because that comes next week. Next week we see the chapter that says, I will give you a son a year from now. Abraham didn't get that answer yet. Abraham just got a reinforcement of the promise, and he had an impossible situation. My wife and I have been trying to have kids for years. We've been trying to have kids, and I can't. And here I am now. I traveled 3,000 miles. You told me this is going to happen, but I don't have anything. I don't see it yet. But Abraham believed God. You see that? Again, Abraham believed beyond his circumstances, beyond his mind's understanding. He had faith. This is so important for us to understand. And believe me, it is so hard. I know how hard it is. But the good news is is that God only asks us to just take a step at a time. And the thing that we do see through this verse, through this passage of Scripture, this story with Abraham and all throughout the rest of Genesis and even all throughout Scripture, is that if we just walk, Just take a step in the direction of faith where God is calling us to go. Take another step, take another step. When we feel like we're gonna fall over, God comes and he shows up and he says, hey, I know you need something more. I'm gonna give you something else now. It happens all the time. That's how God works. It's beautiful. Abraham had faith in God despite his circumstances. And this is really the first glimpse that we see of God's promise being fulfilled to Abraham, but also through us. Abraham believed God, and it says God credited it to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed faith, had faith beyond his understanding. Abraham had faith in God despite his circumstances. And number three, Abraham put his faith in God's unbreakable promise, that covenant that we were talking about a moment ago, the ritual of making a covenant. Now, I want you to understand something. I wrote something down here. God gave his word, that all he promised would come true. And in this moment, God passed the point of no return and set in motion his grand design to create a new kind of people who would ultimately lead to Jesus and whom would bring, and of whom would bring salvation to the entire world, leading us back to the restoration of all creation and to a right relationship with God like he intended. This moment directly ties to us today. Because God made a promise to not let us destroy ourselves, because God decided that he was a good God, that he was not what every other God, that you know, any idols or any other fictional creatures would be like. And in this moment, he sets a covenant in place, which now means that he is past the point of no return. He cannot change his mind. Even though God doesn't change his mind, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see it all throughout Scripture that God is consistent God now put it like on paper, right? That's what happened in this, this moment. It's like a, it was a contract that now gets sealed away and it has like, I don't know, like in Harry Potter, this unbreakable vow thing, like it is not possible to be broken. So in this moment, it is so significant that no matter how things, how bad things get, no matter how crazy humanity goes, no matter how many times we raise our fist at him, no matter whether we would even kill his own son, this covenant stands. The covenant stands that he made a promise that he will bless all people through Abraham. And here we are today. Abraham is the father of every one of us, every single one of us. And it has already gone all the way down to Jesus because this is the beginning of the nation of Israel. We see Abraham. Next week, we're going to talk about how, how Abraham eventually leads into Isaac, Isaac to Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons who are the 12 tribes of Israel, and out of one of those tribes eventually comes Jesus. This is all happening in Genesis, and it's all promised and is unbreakable because of this covenant moment. And Abraham had faith in God's unbreakable promise. Now, what does that mean for us? It means that we have to hold on to God's promises. Abraham held on to these mo- in these moments, and they brought him through when it got tough. Now, let's get through, let's stand up real quick here, and we're going to have a couple practical thoughts before we're going to take communion together. Here's what I would say to you about how we can begin to apply Abraham's, the principles of his faith in our lives. Number one, trust faith in God and his word over your understanding. There's a lot of times we don't know what God's doing. We don't know why he's doing it. But if you've heard God speak, if his word says something, if the Bible speaks it, it's true. And you have to choose to have faith in that moment over your understanding of something. This is the linchpin of our faith, of our religion. It is all about believing something to be true even though we can't see it, okay? So we have to choose Faith. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try for understanding. It doesn't mean we shouldn't learn. It doesn't mean we shouldn't read books. And we shouldn't. We should do those things. But there's always a moment where we are going to have to take a step into something that we don't understand. Okay? And we see that from Abraham's life. Number two, choose faith even when it seems impossible. I love this song growing up as a kid. It says, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. I'm probably the only one in here who knows that. But I love that song because it's true. God makes ways. We see stories all throughout scripture where God does something when there was no path. There was no, there was a wall. God just decides one day to punch through it. You have to choose faith, even when it seems impossible. If God spoke to you, if you spoke a word of truth over your life, or if the word of God speaks truth over your life and your situation seems impossible, choose faith and trust that God can make a way through the impossible. And number three, remember God's promises, both in scripture and personally, and hold on tight to them. This is so big for us. A lot of the times we'll do the first two. A lot of times we'll we'll go, okay, God, I'm gonna choose faith. A lot of times we'll even say, I can't see a way, but I'm gonna believe you but then we don't go back to God's Word. We don't remind ourselves. We need fuel, right? We need to remind ourselves, but it's so hard to remind yourself when it's dark, right? You need a nightlight, you know? I love it, that God's Word is like a nightlight. When you're a kid and you're afraid of the dark, you don't remember what light like is like anymore. You're afraid, you're terrified. I don't know, is the morning ever going to come? That's what it feels like in, in your bedroom when you're a kid. But you get a nightlight, and that nightlight reminds you of something that is true. It reminds you, hold on, because morning is coming. And that's what God's word is like. When we open up his scriptures or we put uh, you know, sticky notes on our desk or when we, you know, when we go to the Bible app and we, we share pictures, you know, those images of verse images, you know what those are? Those are reminders to me and to other people. Hey, listen, hang on. The morning is coming. You know, that's why we share scripture passages. That's why we memorize Bible scriptures. Not so we can, like, go win a Bible quiz, uh, you know, tournament or something. We do it so that we can remind ourselves of what God said is true. And when things don't look true, when it appears as though that that darkness is winning or that evil is winning in my life or that things are are beyond my control, and then they're never going to get any better we have to put those sticky notes, those lights of God's reminders on our walls, write them on our heart. And when we do that, God speaks to us and he says, hold on, hold on tight. I promise you, I am true. I made a covenant. I made a covenant. I made a promise and I will hold to it. And we have to hold on to God's word, hold on to his promises. But you can't do that if you're not reading the Bible. If you're not reading God's word, make it a part of your daily life, you know. It's so simple. This week on our, on our church Instagram, I put a little video up about, about how you can like, download the Bible app and how you can even sign up for little, little uh, reading plans. I encourage you, download the app. Make it a part of your life and hold on to God's promises. And when it gets dark, when the moments get tight, get tough, hold on to those. It'll be like a nightlight in the dark for you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this grand story of Genesis that is playing out. I'm so thankful that we can begin to see glimpses of of what you were doing even then. We can see that you have made a way where there was no other way. There was no way for us to get back to a relationship with you. It was destroyed. It was gone. But you made a promise that you would make a way. I thank you that you sent Jesus I thank you that in one man's obedience, in Abraham's obedience to get up from everything that he knew, the faith beyond his understanding, faith beyond impossible circumstances, and trust in your word that you are good for it. I thank you that because of his faith, one man's faith, I'm standing here today. I thank you that every one of us are standing here today. That every person in Malawi, every person in Africa, and around the continent, around the world, around the globe, have the opportunity because of Abraham's faith to say yes to Jesus and to be able to receive blessing, the life, and relationship with you. I thank you for that. If there's anyone in the room this morning who wants to say yes to that, who's thankful for how God made a way when there was no way. And for you, if you're in a space right now, in a room right now, where you're like, there is no way that God would ever say yes to me. I'm telling you, the story of Genesis tells you otherwise. I'm telling you that right now. He loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to give his life on a cross. To We said hallelujah for the cross for that very reason, because there is nothing that is too far gone that God can't forgive and doesn't want to forgive. And if you're there today, he wants to say yes to you if you would just say, God, forgive me. I believe in you, Jesus. Thank you. If that's you right now, just say that in your heart and you become a follower of Christ and we'll walk with you every day. From now. Point, this point on, we'll continue to just walk with you and to help you grow in your faith and, and know what that means and watch how God changes your life. This church is full of people who made that decision whose lives have been dramatically altered and changed. Their entire course of their life's history has been dramatically shifted because of them saying yes to Jesus. That's what's available to you. All you have to say now is I say yes to you, Jesus. I believe you are sent from God, that you are the one, that you have saved me, you can save me, and I ask that you will now. God, give us faith. Give us faith beyond our mind's understanding, beyond our circumstances, and let us trust and hold on tight to your word and to your promises. In Jesus' name, amen.